This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, The book of Ephesians is where we have been. Uh, I want to say thank you so much to Steve uh, for preaching last Sunday. And I I thought that was just an amazing text. Uh, last week. He made a couple of statements that have stuck with me uh, throughout the entire week, and I hope that if you weren't here, that you go back and listen or watch it. Um, You can see that on our podcast. Um, Listen to it on the podcast or our YouTube channel. You can watch it. But I want to encourage you to do just that. Ephesians, the title of our whole series is simply In Christ. Uh, In Christ. And I'm not going to go down the list of all of the different in Christ and our riches in Christ and different things like that. Um, But let's just say that we are spending the the majority of this early portion of the book of Ephesians studying the theological concepts behind us being in Christ and Christ dwelling in us. Uh, We're going to talk through that for the first three chapters and then we're going to take a a, a turn in chapter four and we're going to talk about how we then can live our real lives like Sunday, not just Sunday morning, but Sunday afternoon through Saturday night uh, in our relationships in Christ. How do we function then in Christ as an employer, as an employee, as a friend, as a parent, as a father, as a mother, as a child? Uh, we're going to talk through all of those things. And so uh, as close to a relationship series as we will get, will be from the book of Ephesians and we will learn a lot from that. Today we're in chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 11 through 14 chapter 1 verses 11 through 14 if you remember the last couple of weeks we highlighted the fact that verses 3 through 14 are one connected thought in fact for those of you grammar uh, police uh, that I I'm a, I'm a part of that is one full sentence All right, that is one full sentence so if you're into like diagramming sentences just for fun no? All right. I thought we'd have like an altar call at that point. I don't know. Um, if you're into like diagramming sentences for fun, this is, this is a complex sentence right here. It lasts from verse 3 all the way down to verse 14 and um, all of our students. There, there is a period at the end of verse 6, but that's only in the English language. It is one complete connected thought all the way through. And so, hey, if anybody wants to have their hand at it, um, bring a diagram sentence back and we'll give you bonus points. All right? So... Uh, It is one connected thought, and the theme of the connected thought is in verse 3, where it says that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And man, we have been blessed. I have been blessed, and you have been blessed. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And the first week as we were in these these verses we spoke about how God had predestined us God had chosen um, us before the world began and we talked through that some of the confusing elements of that that doctrine and that theology and uh, we came to grips with that through that first um, installment in this portion of scripture and then last week we talked about Jesus Christ and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and how he knew who we were and knew us in our sin and that he still chose to come and save us and love us. And uh, man, that was just a great sermon. Today, we are talking about uh, the, the subject of being secure in his spirit. Secure 
in his spirit. Look at verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. Magnify yourself through your word. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, illuminate areas of this passage that may be difficult. God, I pray that you would uh, just be in complete control of every ear, every heart, and every tongue today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I do want to do this uh, because I want us to understand the Trinitarian view that we see in these verses. From verses 3 down through verse 14. I just want us to understand this, uh, the Trinity, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, uh, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, or accepted us in the beloved. Here we see the fact that we are chosen by God the Father. We have that member of the Trinity that we went over two weeks ago. Verses 7 through 10 that we went through last week. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And here we see the redemptive power of Jesus, God the Son. God the Father chose, God the Son redeemed. Verse 11, what we just read, it'll be on the screen. I'm not going to read it uh, all through. But it says that we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. So we are in, we are, our inheritance was sealed by the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, the Trinity is a pretty fascinating concept to me. If someone were to ask you, how would you describe the Trinity? You see, the Trinity is that God in one exists in three different people one god exists in three different ways he is yet one yet he is three i can't really explain it in fact i have had people try uh, to explain it to me i have heard the one about rivers the river is going downstream and the river divides into three parts it's still the same river. The river comes back together. It's still the same river. And such is the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I like that. that that's, that's, that's good. I think it, it kind of helps wrap our brains around it. I've heard the one about a rope, <coughs> a threefold rope. It is one rope, but that rope is made up of three ropes that are one rope. It's three, but it's one. I think that's a good way of looking at it. My favorite 
uh, illustration of the Trinity is uh, we'll use a lady. You have a lady who is a mother. She has a son or daughter. Uh Uh-oh. The devil's in this. The devil is in every microphone. I just want to clear that up. Y'all know what? Pause. We do this every now and then. If this is your first time, welcome to Mobile Church. It's all good. We'll be okay. I'm going to rip this out, throw it down. There we go. And I'm going to hop on four. There we go. All right. So you have a lady. She is a mother. She has a, a daughter. She is also a sister. She has a sister. She is also a daughter herself because she has a mother. She exists in three different roles. She is a mother, she is a sister, and she is a daughter, but she is all in one. She is existing in three different capacities, in three different ways. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. All right, she exists in three different capacities as a mother, as a sister, and as a daughter, yet she is one person. She's not three different people, she is one, but she exists in three different roles. Wrap your head around that. The Trinity is somewhere between a river that splits apart and comes back together, a threefold rope that is three ropes but just one rope, and a, a lady who is a mother, a sister, and a daughter. Somewhere mixed in there, you can try to comprehend the fact that God exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, yet He is one. It's not easy to understand. It's not easy to explain, but here, as, as we see many times in Scripture, we have an illustration of the Trinity. And so don't miss those uh, portions of Scripture that help us to shape our theology as we move forward in studying our Bibles. But this final portion highlights the purpose and work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. And let me say this, God the Holy Spirit is not the third wheel. God the Father created us. God the Son, Jesus Christ, died on Calvary's cross for us. And I think sometimes it's like, oh yeah, God the Holy Spirit, sure, of course. Uh, He is as much God as God the Father. He is as much God as Jesus Christ. God's Holy Spirit. Number one, I want us to see this. We have an eternal inheritance afforded to us. We have an eternal inheritance afforded to us. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, verse 11, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. We have obtained an inheritance. Many parents and grandparents and, and adults work and they save and they invest and they financial plan and they put money aside and I am all for that man the Lord blesses those things being wise and frugal in your finances but many people will work and they'll work and they'll work and they'll work and what are they doing that for they so that one day when they leave this earth they are able to give a financial inheritance to their children or maybe to their grandchildren to leave something behind, uh, maybe to help with a, a house or maybe to help with college for some grandkids or for all different types of purposes. We have people that save money to leave an inheritance. Sometimes the inheritance is not just financial. Sometimes, especially I think of ladies, maybe a grandmother will leave a ring or some jewelry 
And she'll leave that for her daughter or her granddaughters or, or whatever it may be. Those things are very valuable. They hold a lot more value than what you will be able to sell them for simply because they were inherited through your family. <clears throat> but what this morning have we inherited as a child of God? What have we inherited? Because it says here that we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This morning can I submit to you that I believe we have been inherited the righteousness of God. We have been given the righteousness of God as believers. We've been given that. We, we can see that working in our lives as we're going to continue to talk about this morning through God's Holy Spirit, working the righteousness of God in our lives and through our lives. We have been given the righteousness of God. That's, a, that's an amazing concept because I don't know about you, but I know about me. And in my flesh, it doesn't make sense as a human being that me and my sin, as we sung about today, that in my sin, somehow I have been given the righteousness of God. I don't understand that. I don't understand how God sees me through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know how God sees me just as if I've never sinned, justified. I don't understand how God can do that, but he does. We have inherited his righteousness. What else have we inherited? Romans six fourteen tells us, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. What else have we inherited? We have inherited the power over sin. Hey, the day that you trusted Christ as your Savior, God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit came to indwell in your life. Guess what? You have the power to overcome sin. You have the power. and You will be tempted just as Jesus was. But God will give you the ability to escape every temptation. Every temptation. God has given you the power over sin. We have inherited that power. You say, uh, Pastor Josh, it's, a, it's just tough for me. Amen. It's tough for me too. Hey, you don't understand my struggle. And I say, you're exactly right. I don't understand your struggle. And you don't understand mine. Hey, you don't understand that power that sin has, that hold that sin has on my life. And I say, I don't. Other than the fact that we all have things in our lives that just have a grip on us, it seems. The Bible uses the word besetting sin. It's a sin that just continues to creep up. And it's like we, we just cannot, for some reason, I think sometimes it's God just keeping us on our knees. Sometimes it's just God keeping us humble. But we have been given the power over sin. What else have we inherited? We've been given an inheritance. What else have we inherited? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. There's a lot more there, but let me just say this. Another thing that we have inherited is the wisdom from God. We have inherited wisdom from God. Hey, I don't know what to do in this situation. I've been presented this opportunity at work, and I can either go right or I can go left. What should I do? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he will give to all men liberally as much as you need. As much as you need. Hey, we have been inherited. We have been gifted. We have been given wisdom from God. And I don't know about you. That's probably the most convicting. Because I look at some of the things that I do and that I say, and I say, man, that was foolish. That was the opposite of wise. And I, I, I need to think to myself, 
No, I've been given the wisdom of God. And if I lack wisdom and I ask him, he will give me wisdom. That's a frustrating thing in my life. Why am I so foolish when I have access to so much wisdom? Why am I so foolish when I have access to so much wisdom? We have an inheritance today. These are just three uh, passages that I chose to highlight some inheritance that we have received uh, from God. We have received multiple times over or more. We have received so much as an inheritance. And the fact that we are viewed as a joint heir with Christ, that Christ is our brother. I can't fathom that. Just the amazing inheritance that we have been given. We have been handed an inheritance. And may I just say, practically speaking this morning, may we not do what so many people do with an inheritance? You know what a lot of people do with their inheritance? They blow it. They spend it foolishly. A lot of people with their inheritance, they look back two years later, and it's as if that inheritance never came. May we as Christians, may we steward our inheritance. May we use our inheritance in our lives wisely. May we comprehend and may we live a life that says, I understand what I've been given and I'm going to live that way. We have an inheritance this morning and it is an eternal inheritance that's been afforded to us. No one can take it from us. It has been given. But not only have we been given an eternal inheritance, but secondly, and this is the good part this morning, beginning the good part, we have an eternal seal of ownership. We have an eternal seal of ownership. Look at verse 13. Uh, in him all, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus promised that he, would, that he would send his Holy Spirit. He told his disciples that when he walked on this earth. He promised a comforter. And that promised Holy Spirit seals us. It seals us. This word seal carries with it three different meanings in the New Testament. Kind of all-encompassing this word. The first one is to seal shut. Think about the empty tomb. It was sealed. That is, that is a word that helps us understand what this word means. To seal shut. The second, way, the second uh, meaning is to signify authenticity. To signify authenticity. If you think the circumcision under the law, uh, that was a seal to show that they were believers. That was a seal, seal to show that they were children of Israel. The circumcision there, if you, if you can relate that authenticity, that seal... And then thirdly, another meaning is to solidify protection. You are sealed. You're encompassed like the 144,000, the Bible tells us, are sealed from the wrath to come in the book of Revelation. Sealed. At the moment of salvation, you and I were sealed by God's Holy Spirit. That means we were sealed shut. No one can get in. We were made authentic. We are real, real true blue believers. And you know what? We were protected. By God's Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 tells us, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Hey, the moment that you trusted Christ, His Holy Spirit came and resides in you, and that's why before you got saved, you could do anything you wanted to, and you were fine. 
You could do anything you wanted to. And the only way you'd feel bad about it is if someone guilted you into it. But that's why the moment you trusted Christ and you went about your sinful ways, there started to be something different on the inside. There started to be an unsettling on the inside. I always tell people, hey, if you want to continue to live your life in sin and do your own thing, you probably should have never trusted Christ in the first place. It's much easier to do that before you trust Christ. Hey, God's Holy Spirit came and, and lives inside of you and we are sealed. We are sealed with His Holy Spirit. I'm not much of a farmer. That's not my end. Uh, that's not where I stake my claim on that end. I'm not, I know it's a shocker to most of you. Um, but I'm not much of a farmer. I tell you where I do come into play is when it's on the plate. Like once it's been through the whole farming system and it's been cut properly about an inch and a half on that ribeye and uh, about medium rare, you know, the fats. Yeah, all right. So um, I'm not eating a steak for lunch today either, but anyway. That's where I come in, right? But you know, in the farming industry, even to this day, they, those animals are tagged and oftentimes seared with a seal in, say, a cow, and it, it belongs to fill-in-the-blank farm, whatever it is. In fact, when I was in Baltimore, my wife's going to kill me for using this illustration, there was a farm in Baltimore on the way to my friend's house. I had no idea that there was any farm named this. This has nothing to do with illustration. But I think you'll enjoy it. The name of the farm, Rump Shaker Farm. That is no lie. And they raised cattle and horses. I don't even, I have no idea. And the picture was amazing. It was like the back of a horse. It was great. Uh, but um, Rump Shaker, so maybe that seal had Rump Shaker Farms uh, right on it. But all that to say, permanently put on that, the, the back or the shoulder or wherever of that animal was the seal that, hey, you're mine. You belong to this farm. You know, tattoos today, people get tattoos, and now with our technology and, and how we've advanced in those, you can now have them removed, right? You can, you can some, some people, I, I, that's a lot of money, I've heard, but you can have them removed if you have the money and you want to put yourself through that. Uh, you can do that. But what you can have removed, you remember back in the day when it became kind of cool for some reason to get like the branding on your arm, like, like a horseshoe, I think is what I, for some reason, is in my head that I see people. That can never go away. It's been permanently sealed. It's there. Good luck trying to remove it. Well, you know what? God's Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit is like a seal of ownership on our lives. Let me say this. The day you were saved, the day you believed on the name of Jesus Christ, you became his. He owns you. You are his purchased and prized possession. You are a child of God. And his Holy Spirit has sealed that. He has sealed that ownership. That's an amazing thought for me. And God loves me so much that he would place his Holy Spirit inside of me just to say, hey, Josh Cox belongs to him. He's mine. That's my son. That's my daughter. That's, that, that's my child. I belong to the king. But thirdly this morning, not only do we see that we have an eternal inheritance, we also see that we have an eternal seal through the Holy Spirit. But thirdly, we have an eternal guarantee of security. An eternal guarantee of security. Verse 13 ends about talking about the promised Holy Spirit. 
That's who we're talking about, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The two words I want us to focus on as we close this morning, two words simply this, inheritance and guarantee. Inheritance and guarantee. The word inheritance in verse 14 speaks not only of the inheritance that we have already acquired, that we spoke about at the beginning, but an inheritance that we will one day acquire. Notice the verbiage. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? So we've already talked about what we have inherited already. Wisdom from God, the righteousness of God, we have inherited that immediately. But there is still an inheritance to come. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. It's like not just taking me out to eat at a steakhouse. It's like buying me a monthly subscription to a steak delivery at your door. You know, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. The inheritance that we have received from God not only is for now and today, but there's also a prized inheritance in our future uh, coming, coming up one day. We have talked about these spiritual blessings, these, all these spiritual blessings. And so we know we're already seated in the heavenlies. We know spiritually speaking, we are a child of God. So this inheritance that is to come is speaking of our physical inheritance one day in heaven. When we will actually see our Savior Jesus face to face. Those of us who have believed on the name of the Son of God, we will inherit an eternity in heaven one day. And I'll be honest with you, I don't highlight that all the time because I don't believe that is the main thrust of salvation. I believe heaven is an amazing byproduct of salvation. I think it's an awesome benefit of salvation. But Jesus comes to dwell in you right now. And that salvation is Jesus. Heaven is just a byproduct of it, but it's an awesome byproduct of it. It is an awesome result of the belief that we have on the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus was speaking to his disciples at the time uh, when he was about to, to be crucified. And he says this, I go to prepare a place for you in John 14. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. If you're in this room this morning, you're breathing, and you have named the name of Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have received an inheritance already, the righteousness of God, the power over sin, the wisdom from God, but there is way more to come. We have an inheritance awaiting us, and that is heaven. Heaven awaits us, our eternal inheritance. But how do we know that? How do we know that heaven is our eternal home? It's in that second word that I wanted us to look at this morning. Not only inheritance, but guarantee. Guarantee is the word here. It's translated many different ways. This word is translated down payment in the CSB Bible. It's translated earnest in the King James Bible. It is translated deposit in the NIV Bible. It is translated pledge in the New American Standard Bible. And I didn't look up anymore, but it's probably a lot of other things in a lot of other different Bibles. The fact is this, that the Holy Spirit of God was given to us as a guarantee, as a down payment, as earnest money, as a deposit or as a pledge 
from God, pay attention to this, it was given to us from God, it's a promise, a guarantee from God that he is going to complete his salvation work in our lives one day. Because at the end of our lives, we're going to pass from this life to the other. And it will be at that time that that inheritance will be given to us. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We are sealed today. We are guaranteed an inheritance today. It is as if God himself walked up and said, real, real estate agent, I am putting down my 20% right now. And I, this is it. This is, I will pay. I will make sure that this is made right. If God's going to do that, I'll take that every time. Perfect credit score. Perfect credit score. I'll take it. We've got people in here that have bought and sold houses. We've got a couple of people in here that are in the process of buying or selling a house. And there is nothing more frustrating than going through someone laying down some money, even earnest money, uh, and, and then coming back on that. And in today's society, it seems like if you sneeze the wrong way, they get all their money back. You know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. There was a speck of dust on the, uh, on the refrigerator. I need all my money back. I'm not going to do this. But at the end of the day, that's not the way God operates. Hey, when God himself gave us his Holy Spirit as the guarantee, as the earnest, as the down payment, hey, he's going to follow through. He will follow through. You say, Josh, what is this, how does this relate? How does this relate uh, in my life? It, it relates like this. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God himself came to dwell in your life in the form of the Holy Spirit. He sealed you. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You have been sealed and you belong to God. And he now dwells in you. And this truth is the promise that we have, the guarantee, the pledge, the down payment that God is going to not only save us in this life, but God's completed work of salvation will sustain us in the life to come in heaven one day. That gives us ultimate security as a child of God. When God himself is the one giving the down payment, you can take it straight to the bank. The all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-caring, rich, riches upon riches upon riches, that God has promised us heaven, and he did it through the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but that truth helps me to understand the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons why the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us is so that we know that one day when we pass from this life to the next, that we will inherit heaven. We will inherit heaven. I, I've shared my testimony with some of you, not all of you. But you know, as a, as a young person, as a teenager, I really struggled with uh, a terminology, I guess in Christianese, we say is assurance of salvation. Um, I, I think... I think I believed. I think I did what I was, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. I believe so. And I wrestled with that and wrestled with that. It wasn't until I was 19 that I finally got that settled and understood that it wasn't about how I felt. It was about what Christ had done for me already. And I got that settled. But as I deal with people that sometimes they do struggle, and by the way, parents, if you have young ones, they probably will at some point in time struggle with something like that. And what I always try to explain to them is, listen, if you know that God, the Holy Spirit, has spoken to you in your heart, whether it be to convict you of sin, whether it be to encourage you in a decision that you've made, whatever it may be, if you can point back in your life recently or whenever, hey, I know God's Holy Spirit was leading me at that point. Well, let me just say this. 
then God's Holy Spirit is permanent. God's Holy Spirit is permanently indwelling in your life. And that is the ultimate security that we need um, as a believer. That's my conclusion this morning. Some takeaways that we can have. Number one, we can have eternal security as a believer. People ask me sometimes, Pastor, can you lose your salvation? And I respond with a question. Can God lie? If you can lose your salvation, then God not only can lie, but God can go back on a promise. If you can lose, if you can be truly saved and truly redeemed by the blood of Jesus and truly indwelled by the Holy Spirit and lose that, then God says, oh, you know that down payment? Nope. Sorry. Gotcha. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Can you lose your salvation? You know that Holy Spirit that I said was going to promise you that inheritance? Oh, sorry. I lied. Let me take that back. If we can lose our salvation, then God can go back on his word. Think about that statement. If you can lose your salvation, then God can go back on his word. You see, there's nothing that we did to earn his salvation. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more, to make him love us less. Once we are in, we are in. As the famous theologian said, we are signed, sealed, delivered. Come on now. Signed, sealed, delivered. There you go. All right. We are his. And if we are, if we are signed, sealed, delivered, then we are his. That was your music for the week. That one may not make it to the heavenly playlist either, but it works. We can have eternal security as a believer. You can be secure in Christ. You can be secure through God's Holy Spirit. You say, Josh, that means I can just do whatever I want to do and everything's going to be fine. Uh, I believe Paul speaks, and we'll get to these elements throughout his epistles. I believe Paul speaks to the fact that if you're a true believer and a true convert, you won't just do whatever. I would question if you are a true convert. I believe Paul would do the same. The book of James would do the same. But we have eternal security. You can live today secure in the fact that the worst thing that could happen to you is that you could leave this earth and spend eternity in heaven with your, with your creator. It's the worst thing that could happen to you this morning. Secondly, just by way of conclusion, we have personal access to God himself. God's Holy Spirit lives at your house. God's Holy Spirit lives in your car at your work. Now, for some of us, that's like, oh man, why'd you have to go there? Don't be meddling in my sin. But God's Holy Spirit, and I look at it positively, God himself is with me at all times. He lives in my house. He goes to work. He goes to my hobbies. He, he, he interacts in my relationships. We have personal access to God. I guess the question I have for myself is when's the last time I communicated with him? When's the last time I said, Holy Spirit, today as I go to work and you know what I have ahead of me today. I don't even know what I have ahead of me. You know what I have ahead of me. Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Today, Holy Spirit, you, you are God living inside of me in spirit form, and you know. Will you just hold my tongue? Will you just protect my spirit? Will you just give me kind words to say? You know, so oftentimes we treat God, the Holy Spirit, as if you had family members drive a great distance to come visit you at your house, and you open the door for him, and you literally... Never say another word. Can you imagine? For some of us, we'd be like, sweet. 
I wish my family would stop talking to me. But how rude would that be? That's the way oftentimes I feel like we treat the Holy Spirit. We have personal access to God. He's with you in your thoughts. He's with you at your job. He's with you wherever you go. You have personal access to Him. And I want to encourage you to walk in the Spirit and abide in the Spirit and talk to the Holy Spirit in prayer. And then thirdly, just a takeaway this morning, our future is as bright as heaven. Hey, that inheritance that we, that we read about, that inheritance that we studied this morning, that is heaven. And never let a, a, a difficult season of life, a, 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 a struggle that you're having in your life, never let a struggle deter you from the fact that heaven is your eternal home. I can't wait to go, not, not only, not just to see uh, family members that have gone before, not just to see people that, that, that I have been friends with in this life that are, that are already there. No, I want to go because I want to see my Savior. I don't know what I will do. I have no idea how I'll react. But I can't wait to see the one who died and shed his blood on Calvary's cross for me. Hey, your future is as bright as heaven. As heaven. So I say this today, if you're living in a, in a state of, of depression, if you're living in a state with, with, with uh, severe anxiety, if you're living in a state uh, of turmoil and, and, and struggle on the inside, I want to encourage you today that your future is as bright as heaven. Your future is as bright as heaven. If this is a good season in your life and you're on a mountaintop, your future is as bright as heaven. If this is a valley in your life right now, your future is as bright as heaven. How do we know? Because God's Holy Spirit. God gave us the Holy Spirit to seal us, to promise us an inheritance. I hope at the very least today we have a greater appreciation for the doctrine and the person of the Holy Spirit and what he means to us. I want to be a Christian this morning that lives in the Spirit. We're not going to be able to take time because the text moves along from here. So we're not going to be able to take a ton of time and talk about a spirit-filled life. We will get there. But the text leads us elsewhere. But I want to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-encompassed Christian. When, when you are around me, I want it to be said, man, there's just something different. I can't put my finger on it. You ever been around those people? There's just something different. I don't know what it is, but there's something. You know, when, when, that, when that guy says, hey, I've been praying for you this week, man, I, I think that he spent some legitimate time before God in prayer for me that week. Hey, when, for some reason, when he sings or when she sings or when she gives me a hug, there's something different. That's the way I want. I want to be a spirit-filled Christian. God's Holy Spirit. Hey, God the Father chose us. Hey, God the Son redeemed us. God the Holy Spirit has sealed us. That's an amazing view of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.